All right, help me out if you can with a little sort of fill in the blank. You might not be able to, but if you can. Immigrants, we get the job done, very good. So some of you are familiar with this somewhat famous line from the now famous musical, Hamilton. I read the book on my study leave that the musical is based on. And reading the book and watching the Disney Plus version of Hamilton, I was reminded, I'm sure at some point in a history class, I heard the name Alexander Hamilton. And I'm sure that at some point I remembered, oh yeah, he's on the $10 bill. But when you read the book or when you watch or listen to the musical, you are reminded that history has sort of come alive in a new kind of way and that Alexander Hamilton has sort of a different feel for me now than he did before that book, before that musical. You see, it's powerful immigrants, we get the job done. You realize that's not really a line about the 18th century. That's a line meant to tell us that things happening in the 18th century have impact or resonate with or enlighten things going on today. And the reminder that one of the most influential founding fathers in American history was an immigrant is not simply a historical fact to kind of tuck away and remember. It's a reminder to think about how does that illuminate conversations and discussions we're having today. This, of course, is how history is supposed to work. It's not supposed to be dull and boring, a list of stats and facts and figures and dates. We are reminded of this in the very famous aphorism, first said, I believe, by a guy named George Santayana, who reminded us those who do not remember history are doomed to repeat it. Now, of course, George Santayana didn't come up with that idea himself. It's actually written down for us in the Bible. God says something very similar in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, speaking of some historical stories from the Old Testament. These things happened to them, that's Israel, and were written down as what? Warnings for who? For us, on whom the culmination of the ages has come. Paul says if you're reading the Old Testament simply for some interesting historical facts, you're missing the point. The point is, is that the history God has written down for us is meant to speak to our situation today. Well, we probably understand that about history. But today as a church, we're about to embark on a journey where we're not studying history but the future. Now many will return to school this week or next week or have already returned and you might be in a history class. That's not that abnormal. You probably didn't register for or sign up for a future class. It's because what we're about to do, you can only do because God has chosen to reveal the future. That our God, and one of the things that differentiates him, he says, from all other gods, all other human wisdom, all other philosophers, is that he actually knows the future and has written it down in very specific, detailed form. And God says, let's see somebody else try and do that. 
And what we have the opportunity to do in the book of Revelation is actually study the future. But before we begin, I want as a way to kind of fundamentally orient our study of the book to think through there is a profitable way to study the future and there's a not very helpful way to study the future. And it just so happens it's the exact same when it comes to studying history. For example, you can study history to learn dates and names and places and events. History is made up of those things. But if you study history just that way, all it does is lead to pride. I know these things and other people don't. And boredom. There's no life in all the dates and the times and all the seasons and all that stuff. The same is true for the future. When you and I study the future, there are dates and there are times and there are facts and there are figures. And that's part of studying the future. But if all you do is learn the facts and the figures and the times and the seasons, it will lead to pride. Oh, I know those things and other people don't. And boredom. There's no life in all of that. But if you realize that God wrote down the future, not just to inform us intellectually about what's coming, but to speak into the present, then studying the future becomes incredibly powerful. That the same God who wrote all of history and uses history to speak to the present is the same God who writes the future and is using the future to speak into the present today. And that's going to be our fundamental orientation as we turn to the book of Revelation. We're not primarily about simply facts and figures and dates and seasons. We will come in contact with much of that. But we are primarily about listening to the God who wrote the future and what he might be saying about the future from the future into where we are in the present today. With that in mind, would you take a Bible and turn to the book of Revelation? It's the last book of the Bible. Last book of the Bible should be relatively easy to find if you have a Bible. If you're using one of the church Bibles, it's page 991. As you're turning to the book of Revelation, let me say this, this is just my opinion. The book of Revelation is the most amazing, most confusing, and most sobering book in the Bible. That there is something unique about this book. In fact, on my study leave, for the first time in 15 years of doing this, so we do a book study, uh, many of them, we've gone through many books of the Bible, and normally what I do is on my study leave, I sit down and I study, and I pray, and I try to lay out the sermon series and think about what's each message going to be like and kind of pray through those things. Something unique happened this year when I sat down to do that with the book of Revelation. I went about it just as I normally do, and the Lord made it very clear. I'm not going to let you understand the book of Revelation unless you're in the midst of fasting and prayer. And so each day when it was time to study, it was time to set aside anything else and to fast and to pray 
And only then did God begin to open up some of the things. I never had that happen with any other book before. And it was a very spiritually thick time, if you will. Meaning there were some really numinous sort of moments. There were some just, whoa, what is going on here? There was some really like, Lord, why in the world did you pick this book? I am hopelessly confused. But in the midst of it, God was present in a powerful way. And so this book, it's just one of 66 books in the Bible. But in my opinion, it's the most amazing, most confusing, most sobering book. And so it's not surprising that as we get ready to enter this book and to study it together, that God gives us some instructions in the first three verses about how to approach the book of Revelation. Other books in the Bible, you just kind of jump in and you start going. Revelation says, here's what we got. And there are three questions that the first three verses answer that are important to understand when we approach the book of Revelation. We read them out loud at the beginning of the service, but let me read them out loud to us again. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. First question that is answered in this introduction, what is this thing that we hold in our hands? Now, of course, the answer is a book. We get that. But that's not how the book of Revelation describes itself. What it describes itself as is the revelation from Jesus of Jesus. Meaning, first of all, this book is described as the revelation. Now, you might be so familiar with hearing the book of Revelation that you don't stop to think that word means something. It means something that is revealed, something that cannot be known unless it's hidden and then made known. We see this exact same word used in Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. Here Paul's talking about the gospel and he says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Paul says this gospel... This wasn't something that human scholars made up. It wasn't something that I learned from this guy. It wasn't something that I was taught in school. He said it was something that was hidden that Jesus himself, when he appeared to Paul, revealed to him this gospel. What you and I hold in our hands is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is a revealing that is only made possible by Jesus. Last week, we talked about the fact that on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John, the same person who wrote this book, went up the Mount of Transfiguration, and there they got a sneak preview of what the second coming is going to look like. 
And there was a revealing of something that had been hidden, that Jesus, to all external appearances, simply looked only like a human. But on the Mount of Transfiguration, something that was hidden was revealed, and Peter, James, and John got to see with their own eyes, whoa, this person is not just a human, this is also very God of very God. God dwelling in his fullness in human form. And what John got in a small way on the Mount of Transfiguration, this book is more in its fullness. It is a revelation from God of God. It's the revelation from Jesus. Revelation chapter 5 will tell us Jesus makes this possible. There's weeping in heaven because nobody is able to open the scroll. Nobody is able to allow the future to come into, into the present the way it's supposed to, except for one, Jesus. And so the book opens with, this is the revelation from Jesus. Jesus makes this book possible. He makes it possible for us to know the future, and he makes it possible for us to experience the blessings of the future. It's also the revelation of Jesus, which is why we are not going to study the book of Revelation basically about facts and figures and times and dates. It's about a person. It is revealing a person to us and that in the book of Revelation, Jesus' glory and what he has planned for the future is revealed to us. Which also, by the way, is why the future and the book of Revelation are able to speak into the present. My son, George, uh, swims for a man named Butch Briggs at one of the local high schools here. Butch is actually a member of Calvary Church. He's been the swim coach at that high school for, I think, 46 years. He's won something like 31 state championships in that time. He's a fantastic swim coach. He's actually been the swim coach long enough that he was the swim coach, hard to believe, when I was in high school. And one of the funnest things about having my son swim for him is that anytime my son is around any of the friends I went to high school with who also swam for that coach, listening to them talk to one another about their shared experience of swimming for Butch. And you listen to them talk and even though there's a long distance between when I was in high school and now that George is in high school, that even across that big distance, because it's the same coach, practices work relatively similarly. They talk about how they prepare for the state meet. They talk about how they engage with one another. How do they get picked for what they're going to swim and what they're not going to swim? And you listen and you realize because it's the same coach, the fact that there is a distance in time doesn't really matter. Because the book of Revelation is not about facts and figures and dates and times, but is the revealing of a person, the same person who is present among us today. When we read this book, that same Jesus, the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that same Jesus is revealed to us. 
And just like if you've got the same swim coach, but like 30 or 40 years difference, you can say, oh, this makes sense why practices work this way. This gives me confidence that this person knows what they're doing. When you come to the book of Revelation and you see the same Jesus in the future that we are interacting with today, it gives us confidence to understand this is what he's doing today. This is the revelation from Jesus, of Jesus. But what is the contents? So that's kind of what it is. What are the contents of this book? Well, the end of verse one. God gave him, Jesus, to show his servants what must soon take place. So the contents are, this is about the future. It is a revelation of Jesus, but it's a revelation of Jesus about what's going to happen in the future. We have four gospels. Those also reveal to us Jesus, but they reveal to us what Jesus did in the past. The book of Revelation reveals what Jesus will do in the future and what God will do for Jesus in the future. And so although I said we are not primarily studying facts and figures and dates and times, There are some facts and figures and dates and times that the book of Revelation, more than any other book, sort of lays out for us. And so what I did on my study leave is I was trying to think through and pray through this book. And I want to be very clear. What we're embarking on is not a study of end times. We are studying the book of Revelation. However, the very first, book tell, very first verse tells us that the book of Revelation is about end times. And so on my study leave, I sort of just tried to lay out a general framework for how the future is supposed to work according to God's word. Now, just like the history in the past can be confusing, the history of the future can be confusing. So I just tried to lay it out for you. It's available to you right now on our website. And for those of you who are watching online, stick with the sermon and then go and look at it. For those of you who are in the sanctuary, we gave out most of our copies last week. There are still some, or sorry, last hour. There are still some here. When we run out, there'll be more next week. But we just kind of print up. It's just two or three pages and it kind of explains the general framework, as best I understand it, of what's coming in the future. Let me touch even more briefly on that here to kind of set the context for what we're going into. Just a quick sort of chart. Again, we're not focused lots on charts, but it is helpful to kind of hear some of these words and how they're going to lay themselves out. The first sort of event, like I said, the last event of Jesus' first coming is his ascension into heaven. That happens in Acts chapter 1 and probably around the year A.D. 33. After that event comes what I labeled with a little tiny box, but actually covers a long, long time. It's what I call now. Sometimes people call this the church age, but it's basically it's stuff from like 1900 years ago and 1000 years ago and 200 years ago. And now currently, this is the time in which we are living now. The next major event, as I understand it, and this stuff can be confusing, and I try to explain that a little bit in the thing I wrote up for us. The next major event, which is part of Jesus' second coming, is an event called the rapture. That's explained a little more fully in the thing I wrote up. After the rapture is seven years of tribulation. 
the book of Revelation doesn't cover the rapture at all. It covers starting with the tribulation. In the middle of that tribulation, that seven-year period, is what the Bible refers to as the great tribulation. At the end of the great tribulation is the return of Jesus to the earth. That's narrated for us in the book of Revelation. When we get there, we are going to read about Jesus returning physically to the earth. When he does so, he will set up a thousand-year kingdom on this earth. We talked about this at the end of the book of Isaiah. That's called the millennial kingdom. Millennial just means a thousand years. A millennial kingdom. At the end of that millennial kingdom will come final judgment. And at the end of final judgment, the eternal state, the new heavens and the new earth. This is just kind of a general framework. Revelation is addressing things that start with the tribulation and then covers the rest of the chart. What I did in the handout is I wrote up how each of these things works in in my understanding of what the Bible says. And then also put some other passages because there are other passages about the future. And so I put some of those with each of those events to kind of explain them a little more. Uh, Just a couple of pages, but hopefully it's helpful that as we go through this book, we're not primarily thinking about facts and figures, but having a framework for what's going on does make it a little easier to understand what God might be saying to us today. Okay, so what do we have here? We have the revelation from Jesus about Jesus, which is about the future. And then perhaps the most important question of all for us as we study this is, okay, that's what it is, but why? Why do we have this? Why are we studying this as a church What is the purpose for the book of Revelation? Verse three. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. I find it very powerful that Jesus' first recorded public teaching in the book of Matthew starts with the words, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil falsely against you. It starts with what we call the Beatitudes, blessings. And Jesus' first public teaching, the first words out of his mouth are, blessed, 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 blessed. Then you get to the book of Revelation, and you find out that in Matthew's gospel, in the Sermon on the Mount, there are nine beatitudes or nine statements of blessings that open Jesus' first public teaching on earth. You get to the book of Revelation, and you find out the book of Revelation has eight beatitudes. Eight statements of blessing, and the book opens with two of them. Here are the other six. The first two are these two in verse three. But the book of Revelation also says, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Blessed are those who share in the first resurrection. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in the scroll. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life. What is the purpose of the book of Revelation? 
It's to bless us. It's powerful to me. Revelation 1 starts with God wants to bless us. Revelation 22, which is the last chapter in the book, is talking about God blessing us. Revelation opens with blessing. It closes with blessing. The New Testament opens with blessing. It closes with blessing. God is so fundamentally oriented toward blessing that this is what he loves to do. God does not love to curse. And God does not love to judge. God loves being merciful. God loves to bless. And the purpose of the book of Revelation is to bless us. Why read it? Why study it? Because God intends for those who read it and study it to be blessed. How does that happen? Two ways. Verse three, first half. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Did you notice that even though Andy read these first three verses, I read them aloud again? Do you see why? It's amazing. This doesn't say blessed is the person who understands the prophecy. It just simply says, if you read these words aloud, you will be blessed. Now, I think that's true of every book in the Bible. But somehow it's especially true of the book of Revelation. I don't know exactly how it works, but God says, perhaps because it's such a confusing book, perhaps because it's such an amazing book, God has attached to it a special blessing. Look, if you're just willing to read this thing aloud, there will be blessing. And if you go through reading this aloud this whole year, this whole time we're doing this, and even if you don't understand it, you're like, well, I still just did this first part. It's its own self-contained blessing. Blessed are those who read aloud the words of the prophecy. You're like, well, aren't you supposed to understand? Well, that's kind of the second part. A second blessing. Blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it. That's our job is to try to help make this understandable for God to speak into. But notice what he's saying. Blessed are those who hear it and take to heart. Not blessed are those who memorize all the charts and the, and the, and the names and the dates and know when this happens and know when that's happening. We're going to talk about that stuff, but that is the stuff that leads to pride and to boredom. The path to blessing is to hear God speaking through this to our situations today. You may know this, but really every generation in church history has thought the book of Revelation was talking about them. And we can look back 1,900 years ago or 1,000 years ago or 200 years ago and think, how quaint. They think it's about them. Airplanes haven't even been invented yet and the internet and there's no Fortnite yet. How can the end come without Fortnite? And we can think how silly that they would have thought 1,900 years ago they were even close to the end. But the truth of the matter is, you're not reading Revelation right if it's not talking to you. And so every generation is supposed to see their events in this book. This book is not narrating what is happening right now. It's not. But it is speaking to what is happening right now. We have what is, in my opinion, a plague in this world today. The book of Revelation has plagues in it. There is some correspondence and some connection. There are racial issues in the book of Revelation. 
there are racial issues today. We're supposed to see some connection that God wants to speak about what's coming in the future to help us understand today. There is an antichrist in the book of Revelation. There are antichrist-like figures present in the world today, and there have been since Jesus' ascension to heaven. And every generation is supposed to read Revelation and say, whoa, this looks like stuff going on now. It's because it is. Revelation is not narrating the events of 2020, but it is speaking to the events of 2020. And anybody who's willing to hear what God has to say and take it to heart, not just to mind and learn all this stuff, but take it to heart, what is God saying about our world today? That person will be blessed. So with this in mind, I have kind of four assignments that I'd like us to just kind of think through together as a church. Number one, I'm encouraging you, read the book of Revelation aloud. We're going to do it together collectively as a church. There may be some Sundays you show up and you're like, wow, we're reading the entire chapter 11 together and there's a whole bunch of stuff I didn't understand. But it says, read it aloud. So we're like, well, we're going to take God at his word. We're going to read it aloud. Let me encourage you in family devotions. You can just read the book of Revelation aloud. Now, moms and dads, you might be like, well, but if there's questions, I don't know. Blessed are those who read aloud the words of the prophecy. And all you got to say to your kids is, hey, I don't, I, we're not supposed to know the answers. We're just supposed to read it aloud. Read it aloud. Let me also say to you kids, if your family chooses to do this for family devotions, make sure you raise your hand to get to read And you might not be able to pronounce all the words, but just simply ask for your chance. And mom and dad, how great is it that God says all they got to do is just read it. Just read it out loud. Why not do it in your small group? Why not do it with some friends? Why not just a couple of people like, hey, you know what? Uh, Let's just read this together. Read it out loud. You can read out loud by yourself. But blessed are those who read aloud the words of the prophecy. And so my first assignment to you is think about how you might do this, how you might read this aloud. How can you incorporate this into small group discussion? How could you incorporate this in just maybe an accountability partner or a friend? Uh, How could you incorporate this into some family things that you're doing? Assignment number one, think through how you might be able to read aloud the words of the book of Revelation. Assignment number two, it also says, blessed are those who understand it and hear it and put it in practice. And so the second assignment is come to church. Join with us in this study. Like it's our job to try to help make sense of what God is saying. I would ask for your prayers on that. It's a heavy book. It's a confusing book. It feels like a super spiritually powerful book. Our job is to, when you come here, God is present. And again, the same Jesus who's being revealed here is present when two or three people gather together. And I praise the Lord that he's available to be present with us online. But here when we gather together as well, come and participate with us. Join with us on this journey and come each week asking the Lord, would you please speak to my situation today? Not just, I hope I learn some new names and figures and I hope I figure out who this person is or that person is and what's this beast and what's that bowl and what's that trumpet. But come saying, you know what, Lord? I need to hear from you today. So come ready to do that. Third assignment, read the overview that I wrote. 
Again, it's available online. Uh, if we run out of copies here in the sanctuary today, we'll have more next week. Uh, just a simple a couple of pages. But it's just meant to give just a kind of a framework so that when we go through this, uh, if I'm not able each week to kind of explain how all of the details work, you're like, okay, well, I at least have the framework for where this might fit, and I think that will be helpful. There are other questions it doesn't attempt to cover. Uh, we may talk about those along the way. You can ask those. We're not focused on the facts and the figures, but it is helpful uh, to have that framework. So take some time and read through that. There are other passages listed. Uh, like, okay, well, how does that, where does Zechariah 14 fit into this? How does Isaiah 60 to 66? I just listed those passages. If you're working through that, either by yourself or with some other people, just read through those passages. And I tried to say, well, this is where I think they fit in the framework, and I hope that's helpful for you. And then fourth and final assignment, and this one you're going to be hearing more about in the next couple of weeks, is that the elders uh, decided together, we decided, uh, that as a church, we are inviting you to join us for 40 days of fasting and prayer uh, so that God might speak to us through this book. It was impactful for me that the Lord was like, look, you can read the book, but I'm not going to fully reveal what I'm doing here unless you're in a place where you are fasting and praying. And by fasting, we mean, okay, fasting from food, but also just seriousness about sin and about confession and about prayer and about engaging with the Lord. I want to meet with Jesus through this. And I want our church to meet with Jesus through that. And our elders want that. So the elders decided we're going to call the church uh, to pray and fast together for 40 days. You'll be hearing more about that. That's supposed to start after Labor Day. We want to give it a little bit of time. Uh, some elders are going to explain some of this. There's going to be some videos. How do you fast? What does that look like? What are we praying for? When do we start? When do we stop? Uh, and for you to think through, okay, in our schedules, where might this fit, uh, fasting and prayer? And so I just encourage you as you hear more about that, come and join us in this. The promise is, is that Jesus will reveal himself to us. And so we want to give him every opportunity to do that. So we invite you to join us in that. Okay, those are the four assignments. We're about to embark on a journey. Let me leave you with this as we close. Some might ask, why the book of Revelation? Why now? Is it because of COVID-19? Is it because uh, the injustice and unrest and things in our country and in our world today? Is it because of an election coming up? I don't think that's the reason God picked all those things, but I do think it's probably related to all of that. We're doing it because he picked it. But if you ask me now, today, why do I think God picked the book of Revelation? I think it's that third verse. I think in the midst of the world in which we live right now, we need some blessing. We need just some tangible blessing. <laughs> There's a lot of difficulty there's a lot of suffering. It doesn't seem like it's going to be getting any better anytime soon. And I think in the midst of this, God knows we need something tangible to bless us. So I don't know what's going to happen in week 10 or week 15 or week 20, but I do know the purpose of this book is to bless. And I look around the situation in our church and I look around the situation in our world and I think I'm ready for some tangible blessings from God. Are you? Yes. It doesn't mean no more suffering. In fact, suffering tends to be the key to blessing. But I read the Lord say to me, if you read the book, you will be blessed. And I think we need some blessing. If you take it to heart, you'll be blessed. And I think we need some blessing. 
So my understanding is that God has chosen this time for us today because we need some blessing. And it's powerful to me. I think you heard it in the prayers earlier. 2020 is not a surprise to God that he wrote down what this year was going to be like before any of the years even came into being. And I also think this same God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, who stands outside of time, looked at each one of us and saw in 2020, collectively as a church and individually, we were going to need some blessings to get through this. And he's prepared for us a study in his word, an opportunity to experience tangible blessings in the here and the now. And so my invitation to you, come with us on this journey. Read it aloud. Show up and participate. Take it to heart. Read the stuff. Fast and pray. Because God has purposed to bless us. I think God looked at each one of us in 2020 and said, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to bless you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And I think God has specifically chosen the book of Revelation because some of us are drowning. Some of us aren't sure how much longer we're going to be able to go through all of this. Some of us are feeling parched and we need some streams in the wilderness. And God says, I got them for you. And his purpose is to bless. He starts the Bible with the blessing of creation. He blesses Abraham. He blesses Israel. When Jesus shows up, the first words out of his mouth in a public setting are blessing. Revelation opens with blessing and it closes with blessings. And God's purpose, friends, don't be afraid. His purpose is to bless us. Let's pray together. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast from Calvary Church. We hope this message has brought the light and hope of God's presence into your life, refreshing your soul for the journey the Lord has you on. If you have a spiritual need or would like to connect further with the work God is doing through Calvary Church, seek us out online at calvarygr.org. On our website, you can also find an archive of previous messages from this series. Thanks for listening.